0: And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show.
1: Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question.
0: Yeah, great question.
1: You are the part, and you do not need anybody's permission. Great question.
2: You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best.
0: That is literally a brilliant question. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening everyone and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Out I'm your host Ryan. This is part two of our four-part series on weight loss. And part two and three are gonna feature personal trainers, health experts, and doctors. They're going to give you a lot of great information, tips, advice that you can practically apply to getting your body in the shape you know it deserves to be in. Let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Heather Houseworth. For the past 14 years, she's been a national lifestyle fitness reporter. She's seen an incredible amount of trends. She's traveled all over across the world. And you can learn more about her by going to her website at Heather Houseworth, and I'll spell it, H a u s w i r t h dot com. It's Hathworth. Welcome to the program.
3: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank
0: you. So, in the course over many years of journalism, covered all different types of trends. What have you seen? Is to be maybe some of the more innovative trends in terms of weight loss. People utilize.
3: Sure. In? I'm. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, right now there's seems to be a couple of really big trends. One is intermittent fasting. Another keto uh, diet, just a high fat, low carb, like zero sugar diet, Um, and then I think it's the grain free, dairy free paleo diet, and I would say that those three um, are really sort of taking off right now. And then finally, there's a big focus on the gut and the microbiome, and the health of the gut and the microbiome, above all else, really sort of dictating um, your overall health. And if you have a good, healthy, strong microbiome and gut, that uh, is indicative of your overall health. You
0: know, I've heard about that, that people are saying, well, you know, maybe if something's wrong with your gut, you have kind of some kind of gut disease, and you know, some people say, well, well I've got too much gut going on. So, I mean, what, is that gut- <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean that uh, you have what, an excessive amount of sugar in it? How do you know, based on what you observe, that people sure, have a gut disease or if they're actually lot, just eating too much?
3: yeah a lot of Americans uh in particular you don't see this so much in southeast asia um where where people are much healthier and live much longer, but you know a lot a lot of people and um We'll tell you that, you know, that Americans are walking around and they're diseased and they're sick and they're ill. And we have some of the highest costs in healthcare in America. Um, and so many people are sick and ill. And a lot of it, uh, you know, stomach problems and digestion is really huge. So if you're walking around and you're sluggish and you're lethargic and you're tired and fatigued, um, maybe your cortisol levels are really high because you're stressed out. In New York, of course, we walk around like doldrums and everyone's stressed out moving at and same. Insane- insane seeds. And, um, you know, that's, that's pretty indicative that maybe something is wrong. And, you know, oftentimes you might have like pain in your lower abdomen. Um, myself, I actually have Crohn's disease and that is inflammation of the small intestine. Um, and I was able to treat it with my diet and with supplements. And it's a really debilitating, um, you know, it's called the disease. I try not to think of it that way because I feel like that stigma is really hard as a person to kind of own. And then you kind of fall prey to, oh, woe is me. I have a disease. But no, I was like, I'm going to take this into my hands. And I'm not going to let the fact that I've been hospitalized, like put me back and set me back from achieving my health goals and wanting to be healthy. And instead, I've always been kind of. Health and fitness obsessed. I come from a family that's quite um, fitness obsessed as well. My brother owns a hip hop yoga studio in Miami. My dad owns a wellness day club in Bali. And my mom is super fit as well. Yeah. So, you know, wellness has been a big theme for me my whole life. I was actually really overweight as a kid. I went to fat camp for a few summers. So I've always been incredibly passionate and dedicated to like learning about things that are happening in the space. But as someone who has Crohn's disease, who, and I treated it um, last summer, I went and I got a colonoscopy and found out that I no longer have inflammation, no longer have to take Western meds. And initially, that's not the case. Yeah, and, but that's not the case. Initially, they want you to, they mean doctors want you to be in all of these like Western meds and they're expensive and they're, you know, they, they mask the problem, but you're not really treating it. So, you know, it really comes down to being able to treat what your symptoms are and, and figuring that out and what, um, and being cl- clean eating is really important I, above
0: all I else. I try to do it as often as, as possible. I mean, I'm, there are people who don't eat any meat. Uh, they don't eat sure. any, any type of meat. And there are those that do. And some people, they'll eat meat because they, they, they're trying to get a certain protein. They're starting to get some kind of nutrients, yeah. have you ever observed that because a person is not consuming meat, because they are not consuming all the, let's say, things that are going into the meat, that, that'll have a different type of impact on their gut health or have a different type of impact on their metabolism? I'm just wondering if you've ever I come across and observed
3: that. I think everybody's body and everybody's metabolism is very different. I was plant based while I was healing, uh, and treating my gut disease, my Crohn's. Uh, that helped me. I was pescatarian, I was freaking flexitarian, I've been everything under the sun. Um, but I was pescatarian for like ten years and I only started eating meat about after I got my diagnosis that I was uh Crohn's free. I think that when I I know that when I do eat meat it's hormone free, it's antibiotic free. Like you know, if I'm gonna eat chicken it's free range, it's uh, Hormone free, it's organic. If I'm gonna eat eggs, similarly, it's free range, it's organic, it's antibiotic free. It's like happy, healthy farms. And I like to eat sustainably and locally as well. I'm a big proponent advocate. A lot of doc, uh, health experts are of eating locally, and that's really important. Also eating seasonally. Um, right now, you're also seeing a big trend in the Ayurvedic space, which is eating for your body type or your dosha, which is really like your kind of your overall makeup and um, your composition, whether you're hot or cold or, um, or dry or sweaty and all of those things also can play into a kind of diet you're supposed to have, but above all else, eating seasonally, not, uh, eating things that are imported, not eating things that are packaged and processed, the fewer ingredients, the better. I think if you're going to eat meat, I think that's, you know, it's your personal decision. If you want to do that, you can get all of the nutrients and proteins you need from a plant-based diet. Um, there's a lot of research on that. But, you know, if you feel if your body is able to digest meat, that's when I gave it up, because I found that meat was hard for me to digest. Now, when I eat meat, I take digestive enzymes, there's a lot of really great brands out there that can help you digest that meat. But it is true. that it takes longer to digest meat. But you know, it is part of our food chain. And I do think that um, in terms of weight loss, you know, you could eat, you'll see there's uh people that eat all raw meat or people that only eat red meat and you know some of them have like leaned out a lot you'll see that on the internet i do a story about guys that you know just eat red meat that's the caveman diet and they don't even cook it and it's pretty freaking disgusting if you ask me but you know whatever floats your boat <laughs> and that's probably not great right there's a lot of bacteria e. coli um in meat that's not cooked Um, But, you know, that is that raw diet. Um, I try doing raw, but, you know, I can't really stick to, I've realized it's hard to stick to just one thing. It's so dogmatic. You have to, it's so important to make sure you're getting your nutrients from a lot of different, um, just so many different uh, sources of, of food that we have. And also I'm a big proponent of vitamins and supplements. And
1: talking to people okay as far as vitamins go are there any power.
0: that you highly recommend i because i'm very passionate about ginger vitamin c and magnesium i, I, I seem to have a very magnesium is great i'm sure yeah
3: absolutely but i think ginger is great for inflammation. Okay.
0: But what are the ones that you think people should, should be having that maybe they're not getting? I think
3: having a proba. there's a lot of research that, that uh, indicates in every sort of in- integrated health wellness specialist I've spoken to, say the- taking a probiotic is really good daily for your gut. Um, I think they're like 5 htp it boosts serotonin levels, um, which kind of makes you a little bit, boosts your mood. Uh, vitamin D is great. Most of us are vitamin deficient, D deficient, because we don't have sunlight in New York all the time. Uh, that's really so bad <laughs> And um, you know, a vitamin C is good to take, of course. And uh, B twelve is really also really good for like hair, and nails, and things like that. And um, what else do I take? Um, I've taken like a lot of things to heal the gut, like Mito Q uh, is a good one for the gut, and quercetin and nettles uh, is a good one for the gut as well. Um, I yeah, so I think those are, you know, a lot of it. You can also take things like uh, it's most important to kind of combine all this stuff with, with detox, heavy detox, and like sweating is really good for your body. So I'm really a big fan of dry sauna and infrared, about infrared the sauna? Saunas. Yeah, infrared saunas in particular. Yeah, absolutely. I really think it's key and critical if we're trying to lose weight. I think that that's really a great um, sort of in, uh, additional. Just kind of like cherry on the cake or icing on the cake, you know.
0: Miss Heather Houseworth, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You can learn more about Heather by going to her website at Heather Houseworth and we'll spell it H A U S W I R T H dot com. Thank you so much, Miss Houseworth.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Joining us now is Mr. Drew Manning, personal trainer. You can learn more about him by going to his website at Fit Number Two, Fat Number Two. Fit.com. Mr. Manning is a, I'd say an unusual personal trainer because most personal trainers don't gain 75 pounds and then lose 75 pounds in order to prove to their clients that it can be done and to resonate with them. I was incredibly impressed. The picture of him before, he's this gentleman, he's got rock hard abs and then he looks like, uh, you know, put a lot of weight and then he got the rock hard abs again. Really amazing. Mr. Manning, great honor. Thank you so much for being with us today.
4: Hey, thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure.
0: Mr. Manning, so you gained 75 pounds for your clients. Of all the things that you did to gain the weight, what were the two biggest uh, activities to help you to gain that much weight?
4: Yeah, so the two rules I had were unrestricted diet so I could eat whatever I wanted to and then the second thing was no exercise for six months which to be honest with you was really hard because I was obsessed with fitness before that like I if I didn't go to the gym for two days I would complain and feel like I was getting fat right that's the type of trainer I was your typical trainer right for the most part and then yeah I I actually didn't eat a lot of fast food I had fast food maybe once a week Well, the types of foods I focused on were the types of foods that most of America generally eats which are these highly processed cheap and affordable, you know, tasty food that you find in your grocery store, things like sugary cereal, white breads, white pastas, sodas, juices, granola bars, chips, cookies, crackers, mac and cheese, Hot Pockets, you know, lean cuisine even, all these frozen meals, all these quick, easy, convenient foods that are out there. That's what I ate 95% of the time, and that's what caused me to gain 75 pounds in six months of pure fat. And it was it was way harder than I thought it was gonna be.
0: <laughs> so did you ever get to this point where after you gained the seventy five pounds, you were like, "Ah, oh, you know I think I could um, be comfortable with this lifestyle. you know, you don't have to work out, you could kind of relax. I mean didn't ever get to that point where you thought or pondered the idea of not going back, of not regaining the weight of just saying, "Hey, you know what? now I get it. I think it's probably easier just to relax instead of uh, working out.
4: I never thought I would be comfortable <laughs> having putting on that much weight, having you know been in shape my entire life, but I actually did um it that type of lifestyle became so convenient right and the idea of change seemed so you know insurmountable that i knew it was going to be way too hard and so i i got i mean i knew that i was eventually going to lose the weight i knew that i was going to take it off but there was moments where i had where i'm like man i see why people get stuck in this situation because it does become comfortable but the the problem is that it creates a false sense of freedom you feel like you're free i, I can eat pizza i can Skip to the gym, I don't have to worry about that, I don't have to eat, you know, broccoli and lettuce and, like, all that stuff, Um, that is, like, a false sense of freedom, you know, like, I'm free to do whatever I want, but then, in reality, are you free to walk upstairs without breathing heavy, can you bend over and tie your shoes without holding your breath, Um, you know, there's all sorts of physical ailments that happen, high blood pressure, you know, and um, other things that could potentially happen that are very dangerous, like diabetes even, then you're not so free. Right to make the choices that you want to. And so it's the greatest false sense of freedom. Um, but, yeah, I had my moments where I was like, I see why people get stuck in this situation, for sure.
0: Mr. Manning, have you ever done a type of exercise or seen your clients do types of exercises that will can elicit a response in the brain, feel good response that would be comparable to that of just eating really good food?
4: No. Well, I think that every single person can have that same type of response in their brain from a certain type of exercise that fits them, that fits their lifestyle, whether it's walking, running, biking, swimming, Zumba, CrossFit, um, mountain climbing, rock climbing, whatever it is, there's so many different options out there. Go find what works for you is what I tell people. And then you, if, if you find an exercise that elicits that same response, you won't have to go to food as your drug. You can go to fitness. And yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a healthier obsession or a healthier addiction, if you will. Um, but at the same time, yes, it can replace that. That, um, that go to uh, needed response sometimes when you're stressed out with life. You know, some people go for food, some people go for the weights, right?
0: Mr. Manning, what are some of the immediate benefits of being in shape? And also, how did your thought process change? I wanted to ask, when you were being very athletic, what was your physical, mental, and spiritual state of awareness when you were very in shape, very much in shape? And what was your physical mental and spiritual state awareness when you had gained the 75 pounds did you notice a comparable difference and did you learn something about yourself when you decided to gain that much weight
4: that's a great question it's way more mental emotional spiritual than you think
0: Um, physically
4: yeah but yeah if you're overweight yeah physically you're not in that great shape you have lack of energy you're tired all the time low libido there's all kinds of physical factors but it affects you more than you think on the mental, emotional, spiritual level as well. And so if you're not whole physically, it's hard to be whole mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and vice versa, right? If you're not whole spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, it's hard to be whole physically as well. So they all tie together. They're all related. And so, yeah, it's cool to be in shape and and have, you know, a six-pack, but it's so much more than that. It's not about being skinny. It's not about having a six-pack because there's – there's so much more to us than what our bodies look like. The problem is that society society, and we define ourselves sometimes by what our body looks like, when in reality, there's so much more to us than our bodies, right? Um, especially on the mental, emotional, spiritual level. And, and just because you have a, a, a body that maybe looks good doesn't mean that that's going to bring you happiness in your life. So what I try and help people with is not just transform physically because that doesn't bring happiness, that doesn't do a whole lot for people unless they transform mentally, emotionally, spiritually as well on that same journey.
0: That's fantastic and if there are a couple lessons that you teach your clients to engage in, there are a couple lessons that you're always teaching. What would you say would be the three most effective lessons that you teach them in order to gain control of their lives and really take their weight and their destiny in their own hands? Yeah. The first thing is to focus on health first and then let
4: weight loss be a byproduct of that healthy lifestyle over time. The problem that we have is we do the opposite, where we sacrifice our health to look a certain way and sometimes we'll starve ourselves to get skinny, we'll do whatever it takes to get a six pack, we'll sacrifice our health thinking we're becoming healthier by getting the perfect body we want, but if we flip that on its head and focus on health first and healthy habits in our lifestyle, then the weight loss, that kind of stuff becomes a byproduct. So the next thing I would recommend for people is to not focus on weight. Take out the scale, get rid of the scale. I mean, most people, I mean, all it does is shows your relationship with gravity, right? But we put so much emphasis on it. We think we're a failure if we go on a diet for a couple of weeks and we don't lose the weight we want to. We think that we're a failure. There's something wrong with us. When in reality, there's nothing wrong with us. Focus on the healthy habits first. Don't worry about what the scale says and what your body looks like. Are you becoming healthier? Are you creating healthier habits in your life that are going to help you in the long run versus focusing on what does my body look like? How much do I weigh? So... Those are our two lessons. I'm trying to think of another lesson that people could learn. Um, one, I, I guess the other thing is, is the emotional connection to food. Don't um overlook that. A lot of people overlook that, hey, maybe I'm addicted to food. A lot of people think I'm not addicted to, to sugar or candy or, or bread or pizza or, you know, beer, whatever it is. But kind of take a real honest look at your life and maybe take a, do a food journal and write down what you eat every single day and look at it for a week and say, okay, maybe I do have a problem. So just being aware that there needs to be some change, that, that you need to make some changes with your relationship with food and find out what's triggering that emotional response to eat that food and, and work on fixing that instead of, um, you know, just uh, trying to eat less and move more, which is, mo- is what people try and focus on get down to the roots of it of the problem
0: my saying is that there's some people that will eat a lot of food because they're not getting the nutrients that they would in the food because maybe they're chewing down on um, fast food or some other places are there any essential vitamins and nutrients that a person should be consuming on a regular basis that they're not necessarily going to get in all the types of food these are maybe essential things that could impact the metabolism or improve their heart health altogether. Yeah, you mean like as far as like supplements? Yeah, supplements, supplements, I'm talking like
4: go, vitamins. Yeah, if there are, they, are, they, are they
0: any vitamins that mm-hmm. you should be getting on a regular basis that maybe we're not getting.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, just some, some very, very basic ones. One would be vitamin D, right? You can't always get that from foods. Um, some people, you know, if you don't live in a sunny place, then you, you might need to supplement with a vitamin D. I would say a probiotic, would, I would throw that in there as well, maybe in some, even some digestive enzymes. Um and maybe even some supplementing with magnesium for people that are deficient in magnesium or uh, even a vitamin C supplement for some people. So these are just some, like basics, very, very basic start there. You don't need anything fancy in my opinion. Uh, just focus on eating healthy first and then you know as you get more into it and becomes more of your life, uh, part of your lifestyle and becomes a priority then you can look at okay where am I deficient. But at the end of the day, supplements aren't a replacement for eating healthy. They're just a small piece of the puzzle. So focus on the big pieces first, eating healthy, exercising, and sleeping, uh, like you're getting paid to do it. And then you can fill in the gaps with, okay, let's look into some supplements, for example.
0: There are some people out there, I call them a lot of men, that uh, maybe they'll be, have a lot of muscle, but they'll also have the, uh, the pregnancy baby, the beach ball baby in their stomach. Can, um, can you have a, a big, a full stomach? And yet still be considered uh, in good shape? Can you have a strong upper body, strong legs, and still um, be okay, be big in your stomach? Or is that uh, is that a very mm-hmm. steep warning?
4: No. So the question you're asking is, can you be fat but fit?
0: Yeah. Can you be fat but fit? That, that's but what I fit. wanted to. Yeah, the question I wanted to ask you is, can you be fat but fit?
4: Yes, that is a great question, and yes, I do believe that is true for people that have healthy habits in their life. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're taking care of their health, their sleep. Um, they might not be genetically destined to have a six pack. And that's okay. Uh, I know that we all aim for that sometimes, but in reality, if you have healthy habits in your life and you're living a healthy lifestyle at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter what your body looks like. Now there's some tests you can get done. You can get some blood work done to make sure, right? Cause the only way to know is to get your blood work done and, and to test to see if you really are healthy. Uh, it, but yeah, I know some people that do CrossFit that, you know, are super fit that can do all different types of movements that don't have, aren't shredded, don't have a six pack. Um, but they live a healthy lifestyle, you know what I'm saying? So I definitely believe you can be fat but fit. But the problem is that society will judge you either way. So,
0: <laughs>
4: you know, uh, don't let that get to you, I guess.
0: You seem to be a very driven individual. A lot of drive, want to help people, you know, keep in shape, make a lot of difference. When you're at the peak of that drive, is there an affirmation that you chant under your tongue when you're working out? Is there a certain affirmation that you think drives you the most or motivates you to be the best you are, the best you can be.
4: Yeah. You know, uh, one of the ones that I've used recently that I love that I kind of tell for other people to, to use as much as possible, is to Say to yourself. I can do hard things. And, um, when you are doing hard things, like a workout is hard, no matter what kind of workout it is, remind yourself that you can do these hard things, even though it hurts and affects sometimes you can do it. And if you believe you can do it, you're going to do it, right? The problem is that our mind quits on us before our body does. So if you can strengthen work on strengthening your mind by telling yourself, I can do hard things, whether it's getting up and making your bed in the morning, right? Like that's something that's like, Oh, I don't want to do that. (laughs) tell, Tell yourself, I can do hard things. I can do this simple stupid thing of making my bed, but it's just a form of discipline where now I know that, okay, I can do that. I can do, you know, I'm going to drink a gallon of water today, you know, and I say, I, I can do this, you know, or I'm going to do 10 pushups every hour uh, during work today. So that's 80 pushups total, right? Or something something like that, something, little small stuff like that and tell yourself you can do these things. And then as you start to build momentum and confidence, you can do even harder things, right? You just got to tell your mind and you got to believe it inside
0: so that it reflects the body will follow. So,
4: that's nope. one uh, one piece of advice I would give.
0: Mr. Drew Manning, best-selling author, personal trainer. Incredible, incredible interview. Thank you so much. You learn more about Mr. Drew Manning by going to his website at fit2fat2fit.com. Mr. Manning, thank you so much for your time, sir. Mm-hmm.
4: Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure.
0: If you follow professional baseball, you follow professional sports, You've probably heard of the name Mike Trout. He's being touted as one of the greatest baseball players in the history of the game. He's only 25, and would you believe that we have his off-season personal trainer with us today? Please welcome to the program, Mr. Dan Richter. Thanks for having me. What are some of the ways that you recommend a person stay in shape, and what are some of the things that you work on with Mr. Mike Trout?
5: Exercise and training and Proper nutrition. For me, I, I don't think it's one, one or the other. I think it's. I think you have to have a nice combination of, of both. I use that in in my training with my clients. Is you know I, I mix it up. You know I don't, I don't stick you on a treadmill for hours at a time. I don't have you lift tons of weight. I I kind of mix it up. I'll have you, you know, do some exercise on you know for example I'll have you maybe do some sprints on a treadmill and get off and do some push-ups or some box jumps or some lunges things like that and then get back on the treadmill so I mix it up and go back go back and forth and we are training
0: Mr. Mike Trout can you please give us an idea of uh, the type of physical regimen he has on a daily basis
5: I um, mean we use some of the, the, the same kind of principles you know we I mix things up you know he, he's a, a five to six day a week training person, you know, in the off season, you know, we do anything from, you know, we'll do a heavy day of, of, um, plyometrics we'll do, you know, which is power and power and explosive training. Then we'll do a flexibility day. Then we'll do a, a strength and conditioning day. And then we'll do an endurance cardio day. And then we'll do like a balance and, and jumping day. So we kind of do a, a, a variety of mix of, of different things, we don't, you know, it's not one thing over and over and over again. It's a, it's a mix of things throughout the, the off season. Is there a
0: certain type of training that a professional athlete will do on a regular basis compared to that of an individual who's not in professional sports, who just wants to maintain their physical shape?
5: The principles stay the same, and, and exercises tend to, be somewhat of the same the intensity level and the and the ability to go above and beyond that that threshold is different with a pro athlete and that's I think that's the big difference is the ability to do the exercises and to with Mike you know the the mundane exercises are easy for him so you I always have to adapt those exercises to make them the intensity up and and make the 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 ability and for his body to adapt to that much that much better have you ever incorporated any type of intermittent
0: fasting in any of the athletes that you work with and you find that that is something that can increase your metabolism
5: I don't incorporate that myself but I mean I have I've heard about that and I couldn't say whether it works one way or the other is there any possibility if from your perspective,
0: of being able to live a sedentary lifestyle and yet still maintain some kind of decent to good physical health and physical fitness?
5: I mean I think at bare minimum you should do 60 minutes of some type of activity per day you know I mean that's kind of what they you know that's what they kinda always say is you know 60 minutes of activity a day but you know, to be a sedentary person, it, it's you're going to have a shortened lifespan. I, in, in my, in my opinion, so you know, I think you have to do some kind of, some kind of activity and some type. You know, whether it be, you know, taking your dog for a walk or gardening or you know whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be physical exercise in the gym, but I think you need to get out and do some type of activity for at least 60 minutes a day.
0: Is there any physical activities? Or physical training that Mike Trout does that you think the average person can incorporate into their own workouts that they too can have optimal training and hopefully reach some of the uh, great success I
5: I think just the motivation that he has to to get better each and every day the the fun that he has you know doesn't necessarily always be fun when he's in there but you know he he tends to have that fun attitude and and you know kind of makes it you know lots of times we make it like kind of a game and 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 make little competitions and things like that so you know you I think as a person you need to find what what your motivation is and and use that versus not just following what Mike does but use his his motivation and, and take something that you enjoy and have a lot of fun doing it and and put that into your into your exercise routine. Mr. Dan
0: Richter, personal tra- off-season personal trainer, Mr. Mike Trout, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It was a real pleasure to have you on our show, sir. Thanks for having me. Joining us now is Mr. Kevin Bailey. He's a health and wellness expert. You can learn more about him by going to his website, thefeelgoodhabits.com. Mr. Bailey, can you please tell our audience How much weight did you lose? What does your weight loss success story sound like?
1: All right. Well, hi, Ryan. Um, Thank you for having me. First of all, I'm glad to be here and to share this story with you. I lost 70 pounds and um, been able to keep it off for about 11 years now. And um, it started with, you know, just making the decision to change. Uh, Initially, I've always been in the field of health and wellness, fitness trainer, and things of that nature, and, but, you know, I wasn't living a life of integrity because, you know, I could run it off real easily. So I could eat whatever I wanted to eat and run it off. But uh, a defining moment in my life happened when my mother, who was a nurse, she had a heart attack. And she was only 56 years old. They said she was going to have to have bypass surgery. They went in for a four-hour surgery that turned into a 12-hour ordeal. And she didn't make it off the table. And, again, so, she's only so fifty-six years old. Oh, that's okay, that's okay. It's um, It was it was devastating to us. I'm, I'm a single parent. I come from a single-parent home, and my mother and I were real close, and I only had a brother um, with us. So the three of us were always together. But she didn't make it off the table, and that was a wake-up call for me because I was holding her hand that morning before she went in, and she told me to make sure I don't wake her up uh, when she comes out of surgery because she will be asleep. And that was the last time I saw her where she waved, and they – Uh, took her away for surgery and so a wake-up call to hold somebody's hand one moment then the next moment they're gone I mean it's eye-opening and it's devastating but it was a wake-up call because you know I didn't want to do that to my family at the time I had a three-year-old son and I am married and been married for 17 years and I didn't want to put them in the situation that I was put into because you know I didn't have my mother and I wanted her it was hard to go around to family events and to Christmas and to Mother's Day was always horrible. I'd go do something different. I didn't want to be around people because I didn't have my mother and so that put a hole in my heart but I decided instead of feeling sorry for myself as I had done, I mean I spiraled out of control and what did I do to comfort myself was I ate more and more and more and so I ended up gaining even more weight at that time and so instead of Feeling sorry for myself, I drew a line in the sand. I said, Kevin, you can't do anything about what's happened, but what you can do is you can change yourself, and the buck stops here. I'm not going to do this to my family, and I can live a life of integrity and teach others how to take control of their health and to live the healthiest, best life they can live for themselves. So once I looked myself in the mirror, and made that declaration, that decision to change. I decided I'm, I'm going to get this weight off. So it was around September, and I said, well, you know, for the rest of the year from here until December until Christmas, I'm going to focus on losing about 40 pounds. And so I put the number in my head, and that's all I looked at, and that's all I thought about. And I could think about my mother being proud of me and to be live a life of integrity. And it helped since I was working with other individuals. Teach them how to do the same so that if you have a young child, you want to see them grow up and to have kids and to uh, go to their weddings and to give them advice.
0: So what on are three, mother, on, so what are three yeah. things that you're doing to start to lose the weight?
1: The first thing, well, the first, like I told you, the first thing I did, did is I made a decision to change, and I cut off all of the options. So I had to know myself, and I tell my clients, know yourself. I stopped eating those things that I had a wrong relationship with that I was addicted to. One of those things were... Doritos, French fries, and chips. And so I love them. I get so, them. Those whole are bag. the three wise
0: men of food though. Huh?
1: Those are like the yeah. three wise men of food. You cut off yeah. all connection with them. <laughs> <laughs> I had, but I had to break it because it, it was it, that that relationship was unhealthy, and so you know because I had no control, I would eat a whole bag. Couldn't sit and eat just one. No, I had to eat all of them <laughs> or everything. You know, I eat my bag and my wife's bag and my son's bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh my it was bad. It was bad, Ryan. It was bad. Oh my goodness. But but what I decided to do was to cut out, and so I'm not a person. I'm either all in or all out. Everybody's not like that, so I said, I got to stop today. And so, what I did is I took a small step, and I tell people, start off small. So, instead of just going cold, cold turkey, I said, okay, I'm going to eat like a little small grab bag instead of a big, you know, huge Sam's bag. I'm going to start there. I'm just going to eat that bag, and once I'm done, I'm done. I'm not going to eat anything else. I've satisfied myself. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do it every other day. And then, you know, I have one, skip a day, then I said, okay. Now let me try. Once I skip this time, I'm gonna see how long I can go before I eat another bag. And I cut it right then and there because I didn't want to go back to that addiction. I was like, you know, an alcoholic who craved alcohol and, and the craving was there, but once I broke it it was broken and it was broken forever. And I and till this day I, I don't I won't go back. You won't go back because I don't want to turn back to those old ways and those old habits. But So it, the first thing yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Oh,
0: sorry you know, I think, uh,
1: I made a decision to change that. The next thing is I committed to this process. And so I had to, you know, make a, I asked my clients on a scale of one to ten, one being oh, I'm going to try to do it, ten being I am fully committed to doing everything in my power to commit to this process of losing weight and living the best life that you were created to live. Where are you? And the only way you change is at a level ten. Because if you're not ten, you're not all in. So you, you you leave yourself a little wiggle room. And ten doesn't mean perfect. Ten just means I'm committed that if I fall I get back up. If I if I make a mistake, I dust myself off, I love on myself and I keep moving forward. So I had to make that ten level commitment and it's just like a just like a marriage. You know, most of the time well how marriage is supposed to be when you marry somebody, it's till death do you part. I committed to this goal that I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life and continue to live the best life I can possibly live by eating healthy, by exercising on a consistent basis. And, and you know, I may take a break, but I'm not going to just stop. You know, sometimes people say, oh, okay, well, they work out two days, and then, and then your hair hurt, your eyelids hurt. <laughs> and then you say, oh, well, let me. they say I should take a day off, and then you end up taking off two weeks, two years. And then it's like, okay, let me start over the next New Year's. But what you want to do, I want to commit to going and doing something every day. Okay, and, so
0: if you're committing every day, which means that if you, even if you're not going to the gym, you should be doing something at your house, like a push-up or a pull-up or taking a walk, doing something for your health every day?
1: Yes. Okay. Even if you start off, like we talked about, those small steps, and let's say it's raining outside and you can't get outside, you don't have a treadmill, you can march in place in your chair and do that for 15 minutes while you're watching one of your favorite shows. You can do something, something where you're getting yourself moving in the right direction. It's the habit that you want to create. See, once you create and you commit to the habit, eventually, instead of you pushing to get to that habit and do it, that habit will take over and it will be in your body and it will start pushing you. So and it will be like you'll miss it, and when you don't do it, you'll miss it, just like if you didn't brush your teeth, or one day and you're like, "Oh, can they smell, smell my breath?" Oh, I didn't brush my teeth. <laughs> You'll miss it just like that. You. Would, I wanted to know if
0: sometimes people eat food because it, yeah. it gives them a nice little adrenaline rush, or there's a chemical reaction in the brain where it feels good. It's like you know, you eat the food and it makes you, your brain like, "Ah, oh, this feels good." It, how do you transition from that feeling of joy from eating food and transfer that over to exercise? Like, what exercises can you do? that will eventually elicit the same feelings as having a, a Twinkie?
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I like that. Uh, what you can do, Ryan, that's a good question, because I mean. the the addiction to those good feelings, those endorphins that are kicked in um, from those foods, that's what you want. Now your body craves that. So what you start doing is that you can do aerobic exercises, and you'll get to a point, you know, you've, you've heard of a runner's high. So you can get to a point where you'll hit that and they'll start feeling those endorphins will start going and flowing through your brain as well because you got all full oxygen going into your brain. It's circulating and it's creating those chemicals that feels good. So that's why people love running and they'll get to a point where they're running marathons and half marathons. And not to say that that's how you get all the way that you can get those good feelings. Like I said, those 15 minutes, 10 minutes that you're starting in the chair and you start building upon it, the main thing is your oxygen uptake and intake that will create those same good feelings as well and it lasts longer than that Twinkie so once you make that transition because here's the thing any addiction you have to wean yourself off of and then give yourself something else so if you start exercising you can start feeling good and your body feels good and you're sweating and you're getting those toxins out and also you're abstaining from those things that give you that temporary good feeling but again, just like that Twinkie, once you come up, you're going to go down. So you, that's where your sugar crashes come in. Then what you have to do, you have to get yourself back up again. So aerobic exercise anywhere from 30, 20 minutes to 30 minutes, starting off, building up to 60 minutes if not every day, on most days. And that's a recommendation from the American uh, College of Sports Medicine well, talks about that as well.
0: What, do you, what is your perspective on the high-intensity training where you, you, you go into a high heart rate for a very short period of time? Is that just as effective as doing it, exercise for a pr- longer period of time?
1: It, 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 it can be, but it depends on the individual. And what I mean by that is sometimes that high-intensity, if you have joint issues or joint problems, or knee problems, or if you have a replacement, or you've had some, some musculoskeletal issue, then you have to be careful on that. So you would want to make sure that you're stretching well before you start and afterwards, and whatever that intensity involves, you want to make sure that, you know, if you got joint issues that it's not high-impact, Because it can be high intensity without being high impact. And those short intervals, you may have to start instead of going 60 seconds, maybe your intervals go 5 seconds, 10 seconds, and you build up from there. But once you can condition yourself to get used to it and your body starts adapting and you're able to keep yourself safe doing it, that's when those benefits will kick in. And so you'll start feeling the benefits from that. But also here's the other thing too about it is that when you're doing those high intensity intervals, you don't want to go back to back to back days. You want to make sure that you give yourself some recovery the next day. Uh, and sometimes depending upon how intense, a couple of days in between. So the key is listening to your body.
0: Okay. I want to ask you, there's a expression that they call it hack a computer. Can you hack your body? Can you actually, you know, Program your body to act and respond a certain way, even if you don't necessarily have the fortitude or emotional commitment to it. Is there anything you can do, change, habits you can change that will kind of override any emotional non-commitment to ultimately losing weight?
1: Uh, yes, and the same way that you would hack, uh, you know, your computer and things of that nature, you got to get into that software. So you got to get into that subconscious mind first, and part of doing that is, you know, any those negative emotions that come from negative thoughts about it, if you have negative thoughts towards exercise, you got to start looking at what, is, what are you doing this for, your why, why is this important to you, what is your reason. My why, when I began, because I, I hated aerobic exercise when I was in the field, But my why was I have a son that I want to be here for. I have a wife that I need to be here for. So I want to see them grow. I want to see my son get married and see his children's children. So I started putting in my mindset, you know, a picture. And I got an image of myself when I was, you know, younger and I had these six-pack abs. So I put that picture up. And I looked at that every day and I looked at it and I looked at it and I said, I can do that. If I did it once, I can do it again or somewhere near it. And that's just for me. Your thing may be uh, 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 you saw yourself in a cheerleading outfit or, or you just want to feel free. You put a picture up of somebody enjoying their life, enjoying themselves. And if one person can do it, So can you. So you just keep those negative thoughts out by focusing on what you want. What is your why? Why is this important to you? And then once you you get yourself moving, I may not feel like moving today, but I know if I create the habit by getting myself in action, my body in action, if I do it enough times, my body will memorize this feeling and these motions, and it will start making that adaptation. And, again, just like I said before, instead of you striving and trying to do it and making yourself do it, so to speak, your body will start propelling you. You'll start waking up at a certain time. Oh, now I'm waking up at 5.30 automatically before the (laughs) alarm goes off. Oh, my God, what is this? And it's because, hey, we were used to it. We're we're ready to work out. We're ready to rock and roll, moving, groove, shaking, baby, let's go. And so that's how you can get it to memorize within your body. Your subconscious mind will take over. And now this is how you act, and this is how you are, and this is your being.
5: Well,
0: Mr. Bailey, I want to tell you something, sir. I think that you, your energy is so intense, that I'm sure that uh, everyone listening to this right now probably lost about 50 calories, so I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really awesome. Mr. Kevin you. Bailey. You can learn more about him by going to his website at thefeelgoodhabits.com. This gentleman, weight loss expert, health expert, it was a great honor to have you with us today, sir.
1: I am so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Joining us now is a personal trainer, coach, and power lifter—not just any power lifter—the 18-time world champion, 32-time national champion, member of the AAJ Strength Sports Hall of Fame. Please welcome to the program, Mr. Robert Herbs. Mr. Herbs, what can you tell us? Your perspective about effective ways losing weight.
2: Well, thank you, Ryan. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, Secrets to weight loss. Well, everybody wants wants the magic bullet. Everybody wants something that'll let them lose weight instantly overnight without lifting a finger. And if I was in the infomercial business, I could be a billionaire because I would tell people exactly that. Um, ultimately, the FTC would catch up to me, and I get a slap on the wrist, but I get to keep a lot of the money. But the bottom line is no one would have lost any weight. Uh, People in the know, people who are athletes, people who lift weights, people who train people, know that it's not quite simple, it's not quite a magic bullet, but there is a magic formula. And that formula involves sensible diet, exercise, and some hard work. And um, when I say hard work, uh, what you need to do or, or what people need to understand is, like any great artist, they're going to have to suffer a little for their work. They're going to need to feel a little hunger. They're going to need to feel a little pain. And the reason for that is very simple. If they want to lose weight, they're causing their body to change. And they're causing their body to adapt. And in order to it, make it adapt, you have to stress it. And stress of any form, you know, hurts a little. You know, stress at work, you're tired, stress uh, in, in your relationship, your spouse is, is yelling at you, stress your kids are misbehaving, stress your dog is barking. You know, it's just another kind of stress, and you, and you force your body to adapt to it. And when I say stress, it's because your body, whatever weight it's been walking around as, decides that that's going to be its natural weight. And it's normal weight. And if you're 10 pounds overweight, your body is very happy to be 10 pounds overweight. Um, our bodies, while we're walking around in the year 2017, are still designed to be a million years old and walking around in a much different environment where there was disease and famine and lack of predictable food. And if anybody, anybody's body had extra fat on it, that was a good thing because it gave them some resources to maybe outlast their competition and certainly last until the next food source was found uh, unfortunately being 10 pounds overweight in our society is not a good thing and there's a lot in the press and a lot of studies about how if you're overweight it causes all sorts of health problems cardiovascular pre-diabetes diabetes etc and the reason is because once we gain that weight, we're not walking around trying to find the next food source. We're sitting in our chair in our office or on the couch and watching Netflix or, you know, <laughs> nothing against Netflix. And I hope they're a good sponsor for, for you and me. But uh, it's very time-consuming and people sit. And they're now finding that sitting is as bad a... As smoking. Health risk. Yeah, as smoking.
1: See. Exactly
2: because we're not designed to sit. We're made to eat and get around and whatever. So, And our body, again, you know to take the example of someone who's 10 pounds overweight, it's 10 pounds overweight, and everything our body does tries to maintain that 10 pounds overweight condition. Uh, in fact, if they have extra fat cells, you know, fat cells are, you know, a lot of people believe that fat just sits there, which is true. It does sit there. But it's actually chemically active and it has, it's part of your body and it signals and fat, fat is almost like cancer. Cancer spreads. Cancer fights off your immune system. Cancer invades other organs. Cancer creates its own blood supply. Well, fat cells, you know, are almost like that because fat cells want more fat cells. Um, fat cells put out hormones and this is a kind of a simplistic view which signal the body to create more fat because in general uh... fat cells think well if i'm the only one and i'm you know my energy is consumed my guy is out of luck and gal you know my person is out of luck so let's make some more fat cells and that way if my energy gets consumed there'll be another resource and they also signal the body to store more energy in the fat cells so what you got to do is you need to get your body off this stable condition of just being 10 pounds overweight now it used to be thought that you should do a lot of cardio and that would burn it and to some extent doing cardio is true but your body is very smart you know your body is designed to do cardio it's designed to travel, you know, ten miles a day to the next campsite or to the next food source. So what your body does is it says, Whoa, I'm doing cardio, I'm exerting energy. Let's be efficient and ration whatever energy stores we have. And your body it's like putting it into fifth gear. You know, everything slows down. In your car, you're racing along at you know, on the highway and you're in fourth gear. And then you can tell when it shifts into fifth because everything just slows, the tachometer goes down, and then you're just cruising at 80 until you see someone you know, on the side of the shoulder and you slow down a little. Um, and the same thing with your body. You know, your body puts itself into fifth gear and, and, and lowers your metabolism. So these people who you see at the gym endlessly on the treadmill or endlessly on the elliptical and you see the same people six months, a year, they never change. You know, if anything, they get more out of shape and and, and they get yeah, fatter. Why is
0: that? What is, is it because what their body adapts to it and the body doesn't want to do anything? Because I have to say I'm one of those people. I think all. Oh, well, yeah, I'm just. Uh, I want to know. Well, what's me. a combination
2: of factors. You know, one as you get older, you start to lose muscle mass and bone density, so your body composition starts to change. And you also lose muscle mass if you don't use your muscles, which is why, you know, I, I said cardio and a combination of other things. What you want is you want a combination of, of strength training. Uh, and strength training is good because not only does it um, replace the muscle mass that's lost, and in addition, you can build more muscle mass, but muscle uh, is more active than fat. Uh, muscle burns more calories. Uh, so then, then a fat cell at rest so the more your body composition changes the more muscle you have the higher your metabolism so you have all this you know on the one hand you have your body lowering its metabolism to be more efficient when you're doing all the cardio but if you put on muscle then your metabolism is going to go up and the reason for that is uh, for example when you do a weight workout it takes 48 to 72 hours for your body to recuperate from that weight workout because when you do a weight workout and you know, strength training resistance training muscle fibers are torn down and your body replaces those and even builds some additional cuz it anticipates a greater strength and it takes calories energy to do all that repair and then while you have that extra muscle that in turn burns more calories so i kind of liken it to if you have a four-cylinder car and you're just idling you're just sitting there with the four cylinders burning you know at the stoplight you're burning x amount of gas but if you bought the six-cylinder car and to me these are still small because i come from the days of v8s when you're when gas was under a dollar and you had a v8 engine and nobody cared what you were doing on mileage But if you change your four cylinder to a six cylinder, then when you're idling, you know, at the stoplight or on your couch, you're burning more calories just sitting there. So the more muscle you have as opposed to fat, the more uh, calories you're burning. (coughs) Excuse me. And then, uh, what happens is as you continue to do your weight training workouts, your metabolism starts to just be higher, more revved as you recuperate from the workouts and as you uh, you know just have more muscle in general. So I just want to pause for a second.
0: Are you saying that by doing more weight training that you're able to burn more calories as opposed to doing a substantial
2: amount of cardio? Absolutely, because you know look I mean just walk around a gym and I'll give you just anecdotal evidence who looks better who has less body fat you know covering their muscles who's more cut up the guy you see every day pounding on the treadmill or the guys on the other side of the gym with the barbells the barbell, the barbell guys okay so you know one they're trying to concentrate more on their appearance if they're a bodybuilder or something like that but it's also easier Because they're building muscle, and the muscle is burning calories. And the guy on the elliptical, you know, his four cylinders are humming along, you know, in in overdrive. The guy who's got putting on the muscle, he's, to to complete the analogy, he's got six cylinders, and he's in city driving. You know, he's stopping, he's starting, he's doing a set, he's killing himself for ten reps, he rests you know you know and you know how they say you know mileage in the city mileage on the highway right <laughs> you know i mean you know mileage in the city is always less why because you know the, <laughs> the engine is stopping and starting and you got to get going again and it's 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 not very efficient from a, a metabolic standpoint and then because we're not cars you know cars you turn them off they're done but you know your body again it takes more calories to recover from you know a stressful weight training workout now that's not to say not to do any cardio but you know some cardio is good because it, it it's good to have cardiovascular health but you, you can't make that the sole the sole way you, you you exercise yep. i mean there's there's got to be a combination of it
0: is there a point where you're actually, you could actually be strengthening your body by putting on weight because you're forcing your body to work harder? Or are you putting more well, of a strain on your body? Are you straining your, your resources and you putting your body at greater risk of uh, other diseases?
2: Well, well, there's an initial strain uh, from the exercise, and that's why you know, people, A, they should consult their doctor, but B, you, know, you just don't get off the couch and into a, a three-hour weight workout. Um, What I recommend people do um, initially, I I mean, say, take your average, you know, 30, 35, 40-year-old man or woman um, who hasn't done anything for a long time. I have them spend, you know, a couple weeks doing, you know, body weight exercises like, you know, push-ups or pull-ups or, you know, things like that, light weights, because, you know, first you want to strengthen your tendons and ligaments to, to get them used to it, but then also the body starts to adapt to the stresses the body's very good the body does what it's called on to do if you just sit there on the couch it adapts to that if you start lifting weights it begins to adapt to that and you're very right about the underlying systems your digestive system your cardiovascular system uh your, your breathing your you know your stomach your intestines and all that they'll start to become more efficient in response to the exercise because your bo- your body was designed to do that now you know when you're just sitting on the couch a pound of fat has believe it or not a mile worth of capillaries in it so your body is pushing blood through that but it's a heart that's just kind of just sitting there and we've all read about autopsies you know someone had a you know fatty liver and a fatty heart or the heart is is smaller and strong, you know. It, it's less efficient because it hasn't been called on to do anything. I mean, the same for the same token. Again, with the car analogy, if you sit in your car in your driveway, you know, for you go away on vacation for two months, and you come back and you try to start it, you know, the battery might be dead. You know, the The oil is thick. I and mean, that's why when they, when they store cars, as you know, they drain the oil, they put in something else. They do, you know. I mean, so you gotta get that car ready to move again um, so you know as you begin the weight training your your internal organ systems will start to get more efficient before you see any response to your physique because you're there the platform that that helps all the growth that helps all the metabolism uh, the metabolism comes from bringing nutrients and and blood in the you know nutrients are in the blood to the muscles well it has to get there efficiently and how do you get the nutrients into the blood well you have to have a good digestive system Um, but the body wants to do all that it's been designed to do all that you know to stick with the car thing the car analogy you know cars were designed to sit in the driveway cars were designed to drive designed to drive you know one of the things i've
0: heard of talking to some people i guess that Jim's is that uh, well, if you really want to lose weight, what you have to do is you have to, I don't know, drop as much weight as you can and then build the muscle. If you are, if you already are heavy, overweight, and you're building muscle, are you ever, are you kind of cutting off your chances of reducing the fat? I mean, do you have to reduce your muscle intake and reduce your body weight first before you can build the muscle, genuine muscle?
2: Well, no. In fact, it's the exact opposite, and it's going to happen simultaneously. In fact, what you don't want to look at, you use the term weight. So that, you know, weight's a number on the scale. But you know, it's like the old joke: what weighs more, a pound of fat or you know, a pound of lead or a pound what, of feathers? What, what well, does that mean? Know,
0: the pound of fat, pound of muscle, Does that make a difference at all? I mean,
2: does no, have, no. Well, well, right. I mean, if all you do is focus on the scale, if you put on you know a pound of muscle, and Lose a pound of fat, you're going to go. I didn't gain any weight. Uh, I mean, I mean, I didn't lose any weight. You know, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm on a plateau. But if you looked at your body composition, you'll see that you're much healthier and much stronger. I mean, if, if you're if you're a man and your shirt starts to get tight in the chest and the shoulders, and your pants start to get looser, but you weigh the same thing, you know, that's a good thing. Um, that, again, what you want to, you want to look at your body, your, your body composition, the, the percent of body fat.
0: Um,
2: I mean, you know, a lot of people go by this BMI scale, but yeah. the BMI scale is only so good because it just measures a number, you know, you know uh, your weight. It's a formula involving your weight and your height. Um, I mean, I'll tell you flatly that I'm either, uh, overweight or obese on a BMI scale, um, depending on the day, because uh, I'm like right on the border. Um, if you looked at me, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't mean to brag, but it's true. I mean, you know, I'm an athlete and I'm in shape, um, but my BMI has me overweight or obese, and, and no one would ever accuse me of being obese. Um, so. When people talk about losing weight, what they're really talking about is losing fat. And, and if if they start exercising, and the number on the scale doesn't change, that shouldn't matter. If I mean, you just look at you, you just look in the mirror, you know. Um, and also, when you start exercising, you may lose some weight initially, but that's just water weight, and that's just temporary. You know, you're, you're sweating more, or your body's you know metabolizing more, and it gets rid of some of the excess water and you can fluctuate two or three pounds a day. Um, I mean, the, the other day, you know, I went out for Chinese food, you know, with all the salt and the MSG and the whatever, and I weighed three pounds more than I normally do for like the next two or three days. It's just in the um, alone. You know, it, and, and, then, and then it all came out, it was all water weight. You know, I had the egg drop soup with all the salt in it and, you know, the the noodles and I had the MSG and that makes you retain, you know. Um, but you just have to know what's going on. You know?
0: Do you so. believe in the virtues of intermittent fasting? Is that something that you'd ever incorporate? Is that something that can, uh, in the long term, speed up your metabolism? Um, I'll just give you two examples of intermittent fasting. I'm thinking about is that you stop eating after, let's say, five six o'clock in the evening. You don't eat again until ten o'clock the next day, or you pick, say, once a month, you go three days without eating any food. Uh, you're just doing water. Does that have any impact whatsoever on you know, speeding up your metabolism and helping you get to a your weight loss goal
2: well I think in in general it would be the opposite really um, you know, well I mean three days of fasting your, your body's gonna sh- you know for, first of all three days is, is way too long to go without you know taking anything in um, and and the reasons for that are, are several fold you know one three days of fasting your body is going to think it's in a famine situation um, cause that, that's a long time to go without water. So it's going to really shut down your, uh, your, uh, you know, lower your metabolism. But also, your body needs to function and it's going to look for, uh, energy sources. You know, it's going to need, it needs glycogen. Glycogen is the sugar, you know, to be simplistic again, glycogen is the sugar which is the gasoline for your, for your, uh, Your body it's the fuel and it it especially needs glycogen for the brain uh, which burns it like crazy and then for all your other functions and and over a three-day fast uh, your body's going to start turning to various energy sources and not just fat it's going to start turning to muscle so all your hard-earned muscle that you've been building in the gym it's going to be burning just to use it as fuel Uh, And if you haven't been working at the gym, you're going to have, you know, and you've just been doing cardio or whatever or just been sitting around, you're going to lose even more muscle than you had and you're going to be in a worse shape. I mean, what some people do is they periodically, like once a month or once a week, and again, people play around and they see what works for them, and then there's scientific studies and they all come out with different answers. You know, they might fast for a day, um, and, and people... Do that, and, and it helps them. They think you know, cleanse their system. Uh, but a day is long enough to kind of start getting rid of any you know you know junk that's in their body and, and kind of clear. For instance, if the day after my Chinese food meal, I decided not to eat for that day, um, probably would have gotten rid of the the water weight and and, and all that you know sooner and gotten back on a, on a better footing. Um, you know, and to answer your question about people eat at five o'clock at night and then they don't eat more anymore until the next morning, um, it depends what you're doing and it depends what you're used to. Um, I mean, personally, if you go by the book, I do everything wrong. Um, because I, I work during the day and so I exercise at night, I train at night, like, you know, done by eight o'clock nine o'clock at night and i eat dinner at ten o'clock watching the ten o'clock news and then i go to sleep and i've been doing that frankly since college because i was an athlete in college and you'd finish practice in the afternoon and you'd be over at six o'clock and then you you know go eat dinner and do your homework and then being college kids you would have pizza and then you would go to sleep um but and according to all the experts, like all the sleep experts, say never have a heavy meal right before you you go to sleep because it disturbs your sleep. Well, I sleep like a rock. So and I the same thing.
5: I got a, yeah,
2: works. Yeah, yeah. But it, see, the thing is, it's 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 what your body's used to. Um, and and if you if every day you exercise at night and then eat and go to sleep, your body's going to get used to sleeping then because your body needs to sleep and your body's going to think it's normal. And plus. A lot of studies and a lot of people think that rather than eat nothing, you know, after 5 o'clock, um, a lot of people believe that you should have, especially if you've been weight training, you have a nice uh, protein uh, meal, uh, you know, slow-release protein before you go to sleep, something that will trickle protein into your your body as it digests so that as your body does its repair and growth overnight, it's got uh, protein to do that with. Um, Is breakfast
0: really it, the most important meal of the day? Because I'm so sick of hearing people say, it's the important meal of the day. I don't like to eat breakfast. I like lunch and dinner and then the midnight snacking. Breakfast, not on my list. And I,
2: I think I'm doing okay. Am I wrong in that? Um, there, there's, with all due respect, there's a lot wrong with that. Really? I mean, I, I, I joke with my... <laughs> I joked with my kids growing up that you know that breakfast is is the most important meal except for Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So you know so. Well, that and, explains what of my two chins. You know. You know. So I mean, again, breakfast is important because without breakfast, your body goes for it thinks it's through a very long fast and it slow down slows down its metabolism. On the other hand. If you have breakfast and a good breakfast, um, you know, a, a, a protein, um, you know, a good carbohydrate such as some fruit, um, some fiber, some some juice. I mean, as much as we all love, you know, cocoa puffs and, and that chocolatey milk at the bottom of it, you know, or or fruit loops or something like that, you know, that's a lot of sugar and a lot of refined sugar. But if you have a good breakfast, uh what that does is it gives your body a ready source of, of glycogen, a ready source of you know, energy that it's going to burn. It's got um, protein in there. So your body is not going to be shutting things down going, oh, God, here we go, another famine. It's going to just be you know, operating you know, he- happily and healthily and, and, and functioning uh, and you know the metabolism your metabolism is going to stay elevated
0: probably the final question we have for you is if there are three things that a person can do today to immediately take uh, take range of the body and begin uh, getting the body they want and re- getting healthier the healthier that they want and reducing their weight what three things would you recommend
2: okay well the, the, the three things that i would recommend is one Make an irrevocable, irrevocable commitment to yourself that you're going to do it. You know, so many people say, um... "I, I really need to to lose weight." I really need to get to the gym. And in fact, you know, people I know, people I work with, people are friends of mine. You know, God, you're always in such good shape. You know, uh, I really got to get to the gym. You know, next week. You know, God, you're always in such good shape. You know, you really should get to the. I really got to get to the gym. Well. In between the times, I've they've said that to me. I've been in the gym six times, and they haven't been at the gym, you know. And then, you know, this—I don't know when this is going to be broadcast, but right now it's March 14th. Everybody who had the New Year's resolutions and showed up at the gym in January and February is now gone. It's wonderful. You play uh, more you know, time. You get on the machines. You know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Great for me. You know, it's. Uh, you know, it's too crowded. Nobody goes there anymore or whatever. <laughs> you know, but they're all gone. Maybe one guy stayed, you know. And, and, and if you look at him and you remember what he looked like in January, you go, wow, he's doing great. And there's actually a guy like that. that I saw. I went up to him the other day and I said, you know, it's really starting to pay off. You know, and he looks at me and goes, hmm. You know, because, you know, positive reinforcement is very good. So one is making a irrevocable, irrevocable commitment to yourself that you're going to do it you know, if you're going to work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, and, you know, at seven o'clock, then just show up. It's as if you had like a work commitment or a family commitment. Now, yes, things happen. You know, kids have violin recitals or people have projects due or, you know, whatever that may be. Well, you know, factor that in. I know I've got a violin recital Wednesday night at seven. Okay. So I'm going to either work out at seven that morning or I'm going to work out at three o'clock that morning or I'm going to make real sure that Thursday I'm in the gym under penalty of death and you just work it out and 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 figure it out I mean I've you know raised three kids and you know they're used to dad showing up late or dad showing you know but on time but you know what, what I mean is you know from the gym or or doing something and and you know and then going to the gym afterwards so you make it an irrevocable commitment the second thing is you have to uh... embrace the pain embrace the suffering you know in the service they say you know embrace the suck. you know it's it's not going to be easy at times it's going to be frustrating you're going to look and you're going to go you know i I, am not making any progress i'm not getting any stronger i'm not you know losing weight i'm not you know i'm sore i'm tired you know but in the long run it's going to be good and you just have to understand it and stay with it and that's part of the irrevocable commitment you know you know it it's you know, you're making a vow to yourself you know for better or for worse for richer or poor you're going to you know keep this going and the third is do it sensibly uh there's a lot of basic programs out there that people can get either you know from the internet there's a wealth of knowledge or from Knowledgeable teachers, knowledgeable coaches, knowledgeable trainers—you um, know, people such as myself. Uh, there's, you know, even go up to someone in the gym who, who you see uh, working hard and having a good physique, and maybe ask them a few questions. You know, by and large, a lot of uh, weightlifters in the gym—if they you know you're serious—they'll actually you know talk to you and, and 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 help you because it's kind of a, a brotherhood. Uh, you know, so. Um, you know, go go and and, and whatever you're going to do, do something that makes sense. Not the latest fad, not the latest this, not the latest that. Because if you look back, you know, people have been exercising, especially you know at gyms. You know, it became more popular. I mean, certainly in the 1800s, all the, the so-called physical culturists, but, again, in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, there were basic programs out there of sets and reps and basic exercises, you know, the basic, what they call the compound movements, which use the major joints. And, by the way, if you do heavy compound movements, uh, uh, if you do heavy compound movements, they found that that helps your body uh Produce more testosterone and more human growth hormone just in, in naturally so if you're a man and you've got you're in your 40s you know don't re- respond to the ad for the pharmaceutical company for low T which is just an industry and they're going to give you synthetic hormones do some heavy compound movements and your body will make more uh, make more testosterone and then you don't have all the you know the, the symptoms called symptoms of, of low T so again to recap the three things is just make a commitment with yourself you know understand that it's going to be hard but frankly anything worth doing is hard uh... and then do a smart sensible program and and give it a chance to work you know you know stick to your routine stick to it for you know, two months three months four months and then you may have to change it a bit because your body will plateau because your body will adapt to anything but you don't make a major change you just change things around you know up and the you know the amount of weight lifted the amount of sets the types of exercise uh, etc you know I mean you're continually tweaking and 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 changing it but you're always sticking to the fundamentals
0: right. mr. Robert her personal trainer coach power lifter again let me just re- remind the audience about your credentials 18-time world champion 32-time natural champion member of the AAU Strength Sports Hall of Fame. We can learn more about you by going to your website at w8lifterusa.com. Mr. Herbst, I thought you provided a tremendous amount of uh, great information. Thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Well, thank you very much. I I wish everybody great luck and great success. Uh, If you're in shape and you're fit, life is all whole lot better. I've been in, bo- I've been in both conditions. <laughs> and it's a lot better to be strong and in shape and fit because you can do anything and you're happier and healthier and you never get a cold.
0: Okay everyone, that concludes part two of our four-part series on weight loss. Please stick around for part three which is going to feature psychologists and medical professionals. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com